Hey, Brock, how are you? Doing well, John. Yourself? Pretty, pretty good. I was in like three different cities this week. That, that sounds like a standard week for you these days. <laughs> yeah, it has been that way. I like I like sharing it on Instagram. Instagram stories, I never really uh, adopted Snapchat, even like personally, but uh, Instagram stories are close enough that I already had I already had some followers on there, and uh, I like that I don't have to really think about what I'm posting because it's just going to disappear anyways. Yeah, I feel the exact same way. I've actually been using Instagram stories more, especially for like travel, because it's just it's it's a low commitment, you know. Like it's it's going to be gone after 24 hours. You don't have to worry about making the pictures and videos look perfect. It's kind of nice. Yeah, people that are most interested is, is the people that who are checking out. The Instagram stories. Yeah, exactly. Well, I noticed that you had uh, a couple of interesting videos over the past week or so. Um, you had the gentleman's box uh, unboxing and then the Espresso box unboxing, both for for March. So, uh, and you know, people can watch watch your videos to get all the details on that. But general thoughts about one one of these brands versus the other because they're both pretty popular subscription boxes for men. Yeah, they're both very popular and both very similar. I mean, in each box, you're essentially getting like a pair of socks, sometimes a tie, and then you're getting some additional things. One of the comments uh, right after, I think, in this gentleman's box video, I focused too much on like the value you're getting out of the box or the price of everything. And, and somebody commented and said, uh, oh, you can buy all this stuff on eBay for way cheaper, so why would I subscribe to this? But to me, it's not necessarily what you're getting. That's like a bonus, right? You're paying $25 a month, and then you get 100 and some dollars worth of um, accessories. But to me, it's more the curation and the types of things that they put together either – as part of a holistic outfit for accessories, like the gentleman's box this month was about archaeologists and had very uh, Indiana Jones themed accessories in there. It had a leather leather cufflinks and it had a leather wallet. But to me, it's all about that curation. And then uh, with Spreads Box, same thing. And in, in January, they did a um, kind of New Year's resolution type box where it had an armband and it had a water bottle and it had some really cool stuff uh, within there. So yeah, they are very similar. And I get that. That is one of the biggest questions I get. Um, I, to me, I think the curation is more geared uh, towards myself in the gentleman's box. So I'm usually more interested in the types of things that are in the gentleman's box versus the Spreza box. But uh, the reason we have so many of these subscriptions is because it is all about these kind of niches. So somebody that watch my video, watches the Spreza box videos might like the things that they get in there so they can sign up for Spreza box and then they get those great things. And so that's what I, I try to present both as um, here's here's what's in here. If you like it, go pick up one of these boxes instead of trying to decide which one's the best because it's not as clear cut as some of the other ones. Like like when I just did that subscription video, that one's more clear cut than these two. And uh, I guess the other one that I get asked a lot to look at is Bespoke Post. It is a little more expensive, but uh, has has the additional features that justify the cost. Mm, interesting. Yeah, and that's what you know, that's a big part of your channel is just helping guys make the right decision and figure out what's right for them, not necessarily what's the best. Yes, absolutely. But you were busy last week out in L.A. You were out at Man Camp. Yes, I was uh, hanging out with a group of entrepreneurs and content creators, um, and we uh, jokingly called it 
hashtag man camp, and then the name stuck. So that's what we're going with. <laughs> uh, yeah, we were hosted by um, the Art of Charm guys, who actually, if you don't know about them, run a, a very popular podcast, and they also run a, a service um, where basically they get uh, a group of guys out to a house in West Hollywood, uh, and it's kind of like a boot camp, like a social skills and um, social capital boot camp, and they just teach guys how to form better relationships and overcome social anxiety and, and uh, I think, generally feel more confident. So they hosted us in their house. Um, it was open this week, and we just hung out and, you know, had fun and uh, got a lot of work done, made a lot of good videos. And actually the highlight was we did a 360 video. So we had a, uh, a guy come in who was like a, a YouTube expert, and he had a, three, six, a 4K 360 degree video camera, and we all sat in a circle around it and uh, just had a discussion about men's style. And so that, that'll be up by the time you hear this, and it's, it's kind of cool because when you're watching it, if you're on your phone, you can just spin around, and it's kind of like you're in the room. And if you're on desktop, you can just drag the screen around to, to see who's talking. So that was definitely a first for me, and it was, it was a lot of fun. Yeah, that's really cool. You have to pay attention to what you're doing when other people are talking because somebody might be looking at you. Exactly, yeah. Yeah, the camera's always on you. We also had a – it was like a house puppy. <laughs> it was a very cute little dog, and uh, he's also running around during the video. So I imagine most people will just try to follow him around. Do the do the Art of Charm guys they do a YouTube channel? Am I remembering that correct? I feel like I've watched their I've watched or heard their stuff. Yeah, they do have a YouTube channel, and um, I believe it's either called uh, I, th I think it's called Art of Charm. I think it's under that name. I, I think they had just switched names or URLs or something, but they're definitely focusing on it more going forward because um, you know they've already built a very very popular podcast. So I think they're Compared to the podcast, they're relatively new to YouTube, but um, but yeah, they do have a, a growing library of videos. I saw yeah, I saw you did a lot of uh, photo shoots. It looked like and like what was what was some of your big like takeaways from that week besides the the connections? Yeah, we did, I mean it, we just got a lot of really good content done, like you know a lot of raw material. So we did a bunch of photo shoots. Um, which is kind of funny because in LA everybody's doing a photo shoot, so it's just not. You know, it's not uncommon to be taking pictures of somebody and then across the street there's another group doing the same thing. Um, but yeah, it was just, you know, it, it, it's the kind of thing where everybody is has a common goal, I guess, um, either as a content creator or a, a small company owner. Like, um, you know, we had Eric Banholds there from Beard Brand. Um, and so just learning what other guys are, are doing with their YouTube channels and their websites and their email lists and, you know, getting into products... Um, you just come away with with a lot of new ideas. So, um, and then you know, the, obviously, the content was the big part of it. So, uh, if, if you follow my channel, you'll be uh, you'll see a bunch of video interviews from that week being released over the next few weeks. Yeah, you gotta get those edited. That's always my biggest thing. Is I've got all the footage. I just have to sit down and put it all together. That's the hard part. You know, it's funny. We we talked a lot about that actually, and a, a few guys. Uh, you know, gotten to the point where they pretty much they have an editor, and so for them, it's it's the creation part that they worry about, and then they kind of ship their footage off to an editor who puts it together. So that's I'll file that under uh, business goals. 
Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Hashtag goals. That's cool. What What do you think will be like the one? Like, do you have one memory that when you think back on that week, you'll just be like, "Oh, that was that was so cool." I, I mean, something that sticks out like that. Well, if if there's one thing that comes to mind, we actually did a, <laughs> we went to a hot yoga session and uh, watching Ryan Mickler from Order of Man uh, do hot yoga, I think is is probably uh, the one thing that will stick with me for a long time. <laughs> oh yeah, I bet. I saw it's surprisingly you. flexible. <laughs> oh, interesting. Yeah. Yeah, I saw you had some sort of uh, really good dinner as well. Yeah, we uh, we did a, uh, a Korean barbecue night, which which was a lot of fun. We we actually went to um, the uh, comedy store, which is a really famous comedy club. Saw Joe Rogan and some other people. Um, so yeah, it was just a very a very LA week. Um, and the Art of Charm guys really showed us a good time, so it's fun. Very cool. We'll have to get you'll, 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 you'll have to come to the next one. I know. Do they do it every year, or is this the first one they've done for uh, for the YouTuber or the kind of blog audience? This was the first, but I think we want to do it at least twice a year. Oh yeah, very cool. Well, I am uh, I am completely jealous and interested, so. <laughs> I'll have to make sure I get a, a large enough audience that I qualify for the next one. Yeah, man. I mean, we. I think it's gonna, it's gonna grow. You know. So, um, I mean, it's definitely there's a lot of overlap with the StyleCon crowd, or the I guess it'll be renamed Menfluential, but, um, but yeah, this, this is something that it's different in that it's just the content creators hanging out, and there's really no, no pressure to. Um, uh, you know, interact with an audience or give a presentation or anything like that. It's just just swapping ideas and um, and hanging out and you know having fun. Um, it's interesting too. Like uh, there's there's some people there that just bring a totally different perspective. Like Ryan Masters, uh, his his YouTube. Well, he's got a couple of YouTube channels. I think the, his big one is called Sparta Strength. It's a weightlifting um, or weight training uh, kind of like advice channel. And he's all about paid traffic, and that's something that a lot of people, especially content creators, don't really think about or don't do. And his thing is like, if you're paying for your traffic, uh, you have to. It forces you to really keep an eye on like revenue and conversions because you know you're spending money. And so he's he's one of the the experts like in the country uh, with Facebook ads and Google AdWords. And so he was showing us all how to set up, you know, if, if you do have a product like an ebook or a course or, or any sort of physical product, how to set up uh, pay traffic campaigns on Facebook and uh, Google Ads and even YouTube now um, using retargeting and all, all sorts of really interesting methods. So, you know, stuff like that that a lot of, a lot of bloggers especially or YouTubers wouldn't think about, but that's actually, you know, pretty lucrative. Yeah. Well, pay traffic, that's how uh, Ty Lopez got so big. Exactly. You're in exactly, his yeah. Yeah, I used to do, um, my, my skills now would be outdated, but that's what I did for uh, the law firm here in Pittsburgh is I did pay-per-click traffic for Google and Google AdWords, and uh, that is that is quite the industry. 
Yeah, it's it's and it's so complicated and it, it changes really fast. You know, so yeah, like you're saying, if, if you did it a few years ago, it's it's a different you know different ball game now. I mean, I guess the mechanics are the same, but um, with retargeting and Facebook ads and you know, like uh, Ryan was saying, is like you know, if you want to grow a YouTube like a brand new YouTube channel, you can find other videos that uh, from other from you know more popular channels that have to do with your channel. So for me, I might find the one video on Alpha M or Real Men Real Style or something like that that deals with the shorter men, and I could pay to get my uh, my videos to show up in the suggested videos uh, on their channels. And so it's and you know it's little things like that. And he's like, you know, if you do it right, it's not expensive. Most people just don't do it. Yeah, I think we talked about that last time. Is that suggested videos box is just it's crazy. If you can get in there, you're set. Yeah. Well, that's really cool. Well, we have uh, we have Ryan today from the Order of Man that we did an interview with, and who you spent time with out in uh, L.A. and just talking about his channel and his how he's kind of working with his audience and kind of his uh, his start to the YouTube channel. So we can jump over to that and uh, we'll talk to Ryan. All right. So we have. Uh Ryan Mickler here uh, on the Buttoned Up podcast. He runs Order of Man, a uh, very popular podcast uh, and blog and YouTube channel. Uh, he's a regular speaker at events like StyleCon, where I can say uh, from personal experience that he really captivates the crowd. And then he also runs the Iron Council, which is a mastermind group uh, for men trying to uh, get the most out of their lives. So welcome, Ryan. Glad to be here. I'm excited for our, for our conversation today. So uh, one thing we, we like to do uh, is just to get uh, kind of like the background story and how you got started, why you started your business. Um, so if you could just tell us a little bit about that to get started. Yeah, you bet. <clears throat> so I started the, uh, the company Order Man. That's, that's my business. I started that about a, almost two years, almost two years ago this month, uh, really with the goal of helping guys become better men. And I certainly don't have it all figured out, but there's some things I've done well and there's some things that I've done not so well and I'm continuing to learn as I go. But uh, I, you know, if we were to rewind all the way back to the time I was three years old, I just didn't have a father figure growing up. And it started to manifest itself when I got married and I had our first son uh, and my wife and I actually went through a separation because I just didn't have this stuff figured out and a lot of the things that I was doing was the exact same things that some of the fathers, the uh, the stepfathers had, had done coming into my life when I was younger. <clears throat> so I really went on this through a separation between my wife and I, really went on this journey to fix myself and to get right with myself and as I did that and started to have those types of conversations, I realized there's a lot of guys that are actually dealing with very similar stuff that don't know how to handle this situation. And so my goal a couple of years ago was to launch launch this movement that would help men rally together and come together and focus on helping lift each other up and using our experiences to share with other men. And so it's literally spanned at this point the entire planet. We've got the podcast and things are really growing and, and rolling and it's a testament to the fact that guys really need to be having these conversations but there just isn't anywhere they can get them at this point so that's that's our that's our mission yeah well one, th one thing I noticed about um, your your various platforms like especially if you look at the conversations going on in your Facebook group uh, your audience is very very passionate uh, about yeah. <laughs> about what you're doing you know about and about your brand and like if you post something on Facebook 
it's it's not like a lot of other groups that might get you know three or four comments. I mean, there are spirited debates, you know, in, in the order of man group. Um, you know, what's and, and and even just looking at the growth of your group and the Iron Council and the podcast, what, what do you think? What do you think's behind that that growth and that passion? Well, I think. I mean, there, there, there's a couple of things to this. Obviously, you can talk about the way that we've grown the business and the way that we've done it, and I think we've done a lot of good things. I think we've taken a lot of right steps. Uh, but the other side of it is might, we might have just lucked into the opportunity to have this type of conversation. And like I said, I think we see a lack of <clears throat> what I would what I would say genuine men in society. It's it's becoming more and more. Uh, present, you know, there's great men out there, and then there's some not so great guys out there. You look at divorce rates that are an all-time all high, um, it, uh, uh, criminal activity, violence, um, just just the amount of stuff, drug use, suicide amongst men, like just the amount of stuff that is going on with men really points to a bigger issue, stuff that's actually happening and going on, and we're trying to get to the core of this. And I think the Order of Men is an outlet that a lot of guys really haven't had up to this point. Because we're told to, as men, to operate in this uh, this kind of this passive environment that we're trying to go into society is like, don't ruffle any feathers, don't say anything wrong, don't offend anybody, and all of the thoughts that you actually have that are going through your mind and your soul and your your being, you're supposed to sp suppress that stuff. And so when you give people an outlet to be able to have the conversations that are really going on with inside of them. And you're now allowing them to express what's really going on. I think we flock to that because we just—it's not available anywhere, uh, because we are supposed to kind of sit down, be quiet, shut up, and do what we're told. You know? Do you think any of the—you know—the mission you have and the conversations you're having? Do you think there were uh, like organizations in the past that really tried to to cultivate this, and it just wasn't the right time? Because it seems—I mean, it's ab it's absolutely timely. But do you think this was stuff that guys were just really talking about behind closed doors? I mean, what, what's your sense on that? Well, I think a lot of times, it, here's the deal. Social media is a very powerful, powerful tool and allows you to connect with people literally across the planet, unlike any time we ever have been able to in history. And so we as men used to operate in tribes, right, in packs. And, and we operated in these tribes for a lot of different reasons, but primarily it was for protection and safety and growth and, and the power that comes from operating in a pack. Well, somewhere along the way, we were told that we need to go at it alone. That any man that reaches out to a brother for help is somehow less of a man. And so we've suppressed all these emotional desires and urges to band together as men, as human beings, and, and have that connection. And it's still there, right? It's still within us, and yet we're told that if you ask for help, that you're not the man that you should be. And now, because guys are experiencing this, and we actually have a platform, you know, it's amazing to me the types of conversations we're having in the group because these are conversations that, that men are having with other men who are complete strangers, and they're literally pouring out their heart about uh, divorce or pornography or drug addiction or whatever, and they're having these conversations that they just don't feel comfortable having with people they know because they're afraid of being ridiculed, mocked, looked down upon, or, like I said, being less of, of a man. Yeah. You said that uh, you didn't have a, a father father growing up. Was there a father figure that really inspired you towards this uh, as you were growing up? 
Yeah, that's that's a really good question. I, I don't know that I would point to any one man in particular, but I had some great coaches growing up. I had a high school football coach who I looked at and admired and respected, and he taught me a lot about what it means to be a man. He thought he taught that through through sports, of course, but those lessons that he taught us on the football field and the baseball diamond are still lessons that I apply today. And so we look around and we think, oh, I don't have a, a role model. I don't have anybody I can look up to. I don't know. And, you know, you got to open your eyes and look around because, yeah, you may not have grown up without a father figure, but there's still people around that you can connect with. Or you might feel like, oh, I don't have any connections when it comes to business. Well, you're tuning into this podcast. This is an awesome opportunity for you to connect with guys who you normally wouldn't be able to connect with, for example. So there is really some powerful opportunities to find mentors, even if it's indirect mentorship, to really help you get to wherever you want to go. Yeah, it's interesting because um, there, yeah, there's so many people, and and even for someone like me, you know, I I did have I, I had a, a great family, you know, and I uh, my dad was around and he did a great job, and you know, we had a great relationship, and we still do. But that doesn't mean that it's not that you don't have to look for other people, you know, that you can, sure. and you know, male, male or female, but other people in your life, because there's just so many people out there, you know, can offer a different perspective. And I, and I think that no matter who your parents were, you know, all parents will make mistakes or, or um, you know, leave things out or you know, for just not teach you certain things about life. So I think that yeah, um, it's not like they're deliberately and intentionally doing that stuff, but every human being, myself, you guys, every human being brings their own baggage to relationships, right? So their own perceptions, their own viewpoints, their own experiences, positive and negative. And so you're never going to get everything that you need from any one person. And it is important that you diversify the people that you know so you can be a well-rounded person. Yeah, I like yeah. the quote when they talk about you know, the people that, the five or ten people that you spend the most time with or that you surround yourself with the most, you're the average of that type of person. So uh, surrounding sure. Now, uh, I, I watched your video on uh, the separation with your wife. Do you think that was a, an inflection point into really trying to get this message out? Or I guess what, would, what was the trajectory before and after? Because it seems like that was one of the biggest points in your, in your life, especially uh, most recently. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. <clears throat> I think a lot of the times we think that we want everything to work out perfect, and it's, it's you know, we go through some horrible situations, whether that's divorce or a job loss or a bankruptcy or an illness or maybe there's a death in the family. There's so much stuff that happens, and we're so quick to paint it as a negative experience, and it certainly is. I mean, the time that I went through my separation with my wife and I was away from my one-year-old son at the time was literally the darkest time in my life. And as hard as it was, and the memories I still have of how lonely I was, quite frankly, uh, it's also a huge, huge blessing in my life because my wife and I, who did reconcile and make things work, would not be in the same position that we are today. I wouldn't have three other kids. I wouldn't have started this business. We wouldn't be living in this home. We wouldn't be... We wouldn't be doing, you know, I'll give you an example. We just uh, poured concrete outside. We did a concrete slab, and I... And all of us put our hands in there and, you know, wrote our names in the year and everything. Like that stuff wouldn't happen had I not gone through that negative experience. And so I think we need to be very cautious of uh, painting the negative circumstances that we go through as only negative and use those things as catalysts for growth. Because without that, I just would not have gone to work on myself. And that's what's really transformed my life. Yeah. So now you, you focus on the order of man full time now. Yeah, it is. Yeah, full time. Mm -hmm. That's really cool. And so you have you have your 
podcast, you have a Facebook group, you have the Iron Council. I mean, how do you how do you kind of decide where to focus most of your attention? Uh, well, from a business perspective, I focus on the men who in, in the community who have a vested interest in working together. You know, so I'm providing maximum value. And in return, they're exchanging their dollars for the value that I provide, right? So they're providing value. They're bringing value to the table in the form of, of compensation. And I'm bringing value to the table in the form of the products and services they're buying. So I focus a lot of my attention. <clears throat> the bulk of that attention goes to those who are my clients and those who are relying upon me and voting with their dollars and the value that I provide. So I spend a lot of time there. Uh, but outside of that, you know, we've got a free a podcast, a free blog, a free Facebook group, a free this, a free that, and those are all opportunities for me to engage at some level to some degree, and a lot of those guys want to take it a step further, and when they want to take it a step further, we have the Iron Council, like you mentioned, which is our mastermind group, and we do some courses periodically. We've got some live events that we do every year, and so those guys who really want to step it up and do more have the opportunity to do more, and, and we place a lot of emphasis on on those guys. Yeah, but the, the live events... Um that's that's a really interesting transition because a lot of people I think who have a business that operates primarily online like a podcast or YouTube channel um, stay online you know and then you see sure. uh, people like you who make that transition offline uh, and have actual in-person meetups and events and I know yours have been really successful so I guess why did you make that transition and then is that something you're gonna do more of in the future the, well the reason I made it's not really a transition as much as it is in addition to and my thought is I want to do everything. <laughs> like I want to do it all. You know, everybody's like, oh, you got to stay in this niche and you got to do it this way and you got to do it that way and you're a YouTuber or you're a podcaster or you're this or you're that. And my thought is I'm, I'm not any one of those things. I'm all of those things. Why not be all of that stuff? And so as we were having these conversations digitally amongst men, uh, I, it came into my mind one day like, oh, I should get some of these guys together. Like I should get 15 of these guys together and we should just have like a weekend. That would be a lot of fun. And so I put it out there. I'm like, was, is this something you guys would be interested in? And the answer was an overwhelmingly uh, positive response to that. So I said, great, let's do it. So I remember that uh, I, it must have happened on maybe a Thursday or a Friday where I had this thought. I put it out to the group. They said, yeah, that's cool. Friday... I literally booked the cabin that we were going to do this in. Saturday, I was all excited. I'm like, okay, i got to do the planning. I took Sunday off. Monday, I woke up. And I'm like, what What did I just do? Like, I have no idea what I'm doing. I have no idea how I'm going to make this work. And the first run, I couldn't get it to work. Like, nobody would show up. Nobody would come. Uh, the messaging was off. I kind of didn't know what I wanted to do because I was all over the place. So I called the cabin up, and I... I said, hey, you know, I can't do it. I think it was a Mar in March. I said, I can't do it in March, and this was March of 2016, so last year, a year from a year from now, a year ago, excuse me. And and he said, well, you're going to lose your deposit. And I said, well, can we work together? Like, I still want to do the event. I just want to push it back to the fall. And he says, yeah, I'm willing to work with you on that. So he didn't charge me all of my deposit, a portion of it, but not all of it. And we bumped it back to September, and September we had 20 guys sign up for it. We're doing another one in March, excuse me, in April, and we have 25 guys coming to this. And you know what? At the end of the year, I'm actually, I don't know if I'll scratch this event, which is called the Uprising, completely, but I'm pivoting. We're actually going to be doing a father-son event 
in the fall of this year. Now some guys will say, oh, why are you pivoting? Because again, I want to do it all. Like that popped in my head. It'd be really cool to do a father-son event. And we have the opportunity when we start businesses like this to engage our curiosity. And that's exactly what I'm doing. And if it works out, cool. If it doesn't work out, I'll pivot. No big deal. So I want to try it all and see what sticks and see what doesn't. And when, when you're seeing what sticks, does the money play into that? I mean, are you seeing what what's a good source of revenue to and what's profitable or is it more like what you enjoy or what your audience seem to seem to enjoy both it's it's both I mean I, I've got to make because this is my job so I've got to make it financially feasible but I think the determining factor first and foremost is not the money but is this something I would even enjoy because there's been a lot of opportunities that have come up where I could have done those type of things and maybe made some money but at the end of the day it's like I'm not really even interested in that so the first barrier to entry is, is this something you want to do? If the answer is no, okay, don't do it. But if the answer is like, yeah, that sounds actually pretty cool, like putting together, having 20 guys together and renting out a cabin for four days, like that sounds cool. Let's see that. Now, next, is this feasible? And in, in my case, you know, at first it's like, I don't know if I can make this feasible. Our first event, we made a little bit of money, not a lot. This second event is going to be that much more efficient because we know a little bit more about what we're doing now. And so I think the first benchmark is, are you going to enjoy it? Second benchmark, is this going to make money? you got to have both. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. You, you have, and the way you make money is, again, very unique. That's kind of a theme here, I guess. Uh, you know, Because a lot of people might do something a little more traditional, like I'm going to start a YouTube channel and I'm going to make money from ads or I'm going to get sponsorships. But you, know, you have this membership group and these live events. Um, how did you was that was that a conscious decision? I mean, or is that did that just kind of evolve? You know, it, it it truly did evolve. And I look back and I'm like, man, I lucked into that. Because I look and and no offense to like I know you guys do sponsorships, I know you guys do ads, I know there's a lot of people out there that do, but I'm like, man, looking at it now, I'm like, that is such a slow, slow process, right? Because you're doing YouTube videos and you're making literally pennies for a long time before this really starts to take off and it takes a lot of sustained effort versus a membership program, here's what happened. I was nine months into this thing, so I started in March. I'm just trying to think about the time frame here. It must have been, must have been like seven or eight months into this thing. I was in March, and I was going until about October to November, and my wife came to me and she says, you know, Ryan, I, I really appreciate that you like Order of Man. I really appreciate that you're enjoying your, your time and, and what you're doing, but you're kind of starting to detract away from your financial planning practice, which is now affecting family income. <laughs> so you either need to scale back on order of man or you need to find a way to make money. And I wasn't going to scale back because I had planted my flag. So I'm like, all right, well, how can I turn this into a business? I have no idea what I'm even going to do. And I thought, well, maybe what I could do is I could just do a, a, uh, a nine-week course. No, it was, it was a 12-week course. I can do a 12-week course. And I can teach some of the principles that I've already talked about up to this point to 12 guys. And that's what I did. And I launched the Iron Council with 12 members. And the logo of the Iron Council is an eagle, and he has 12 feathers representing the 12 men that initially joined me. And I, I drastically underpriced this thing. Not intentionally. I just didn't know what to charge. And so I'm like, okay, it's, it'll be $100 for, for a 12-week course. <laughs> and... 
I put it out there, and I had 12 guys within the first 24 hours. I'm like, oh, this is cool. So we went through. We did the 12 weeks. And about eight weeks into this, I'm like, well, I really like what we're doing here. These guys have given me some good feedback, what works, what doesn't, why, why they like it, why they don't like it. In fact, we still have eight, I believe, eight or nine of the original members are still in the Iron Council because January we opened this up. And we made it a little bit more robust. We included a lot more features, and then we opened it up. And now we've got 260 members in the Iron Council. Hmm. That's amazing. So, so it was. I mean, I did luck out for sure, but, um, but yeah, I, I, I think it was kind of out of necessity that I had to make this work. I think a, a lot of people, and myself included. In fact, maybe I'm just totally projecting here, but it's the the transition where you actually start asking your audience for money. You know, when you have to say, hey, you know, I have this premium service or this membership or this course or whatever, and, you know, I, I think it's worth your money and and see what happens. It's like a very scary uh, thing to do, you know, and, and I think there's... Oh, yeah. Yeah, and, and, you know, there's feelings of imposter syndrome and, you know, is this worth their money? And um, But it's you're right, it's such a straightforward model and it makes a lot of sense because it's, it's very scalable and very sustainable, you know. Well, and I've always been in sales. <clears throat> That's my background. And so I, I've grown up understanding the psychology of sales, the psychology of asking people for money. And it, not that it completely went away, but that it was, it was maybe not quite as difficult. So I never really had a problem saying, hey, I would like to ask you to buy something from me. Uh, the other side of it is that uh, I never really felt that imposter syndrome that you're talking about because I never pretended to be an expert in the first place. And so I approached this from, hey guys, I figured some stuff out, I'm still failing, here's where I've got it right, here's where I've got it wrong, and I'm on this journey to improve, who wants to come with me? And so it was never, hey, I'm the expert, I know it all, you don't know anything, follow me because you're an idiot. It was never like that. It was always inclusive, and I think because it was inclusive, it never made me feel awkward when it came to portraying myself as the expert because I don't. I don't portray, my, even today, I don't portray myself as an expert. I just simply share my story and in a way document my journey. Like here's, here's what's going on with my kids. Here's what's going on with my fitness journey. Here's what's going on with this. Here's what's going on with that. If I have a lesson, like a little life lesson, I had a member uh, of the Iron Council, for example, leave this morning and there was a lesson hidden in there what I could have learned and what this gentleman should have learned and so I shared that lesson because this is valuable stuff and so all I do is document as a guy on the same journey and the same path that you are. Maybe one or two steps ahead but on the journey the same. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I've noticed you, you'll even like take take stuff like that, these lessons that you're still learning and, and use them as content and as and share them with your audience like it's it's especially when you do this with a, uh, you know, a, anybody who has who's putting out um, their opinions, especially strong opinions. You know, you're gonna get some haters, and and you and you get some haters, man. Especially on Facebook, and and it's funny because you'll and you don't you don't call anybody out, but you'll you'll put this stuff out there and say, hey, look at what this person said. You know, and yeah. let's let's talk about why they said that, and here are my thoughts about it. Versus other people might, you know, try to placate that person or just hide it or ignore it, but you you just put it out there. Well, that's a thing is all of us deal with negativity. All of us deal with baggage. It could come from external sources or it could be internally. Maybe you've grown up with confidence issues or maybe there's some depression, even family history of depression. I mean, there's all kinds of things that we're dealing with. Why hide that stuff? 
you know, I know it's embarrassing. I know that it's not a fun conversation. I know you don't want to air out your dirty laundry, and I'm certainly not one to just share snip things for the sake of sharing it. And I don't want a pity party. That's not why I put that stuff out there. I don't. I don't do it to say, hey, please validate what I'm doing. I just do it as a lesson. Like, hey guys, here's what I'm experiencing. Here's where I really took a short. Uh, here's where I really fell short. Uh, what do you think? Is this something you guys are dealing with? And everybody's like, yeah, I kind of deal with that too. And they kind of like partially raise their hand because they know that's what they're dealing with, but they don't want anybody else to know. It's like, we're all dealing with this stuff. Like, let's just address it and have a good conversation about it so we can all improve. Yeah, that makes sense. Well, what, uh, what do you think is, you know, trying to connect the dots looking forward? What, do you, what are your goals for uh, this year, or what are you hoping to accomplish with, uh, with all of your, your projects? That's, you know, that occasionally somebody asks me that question, like, what are your goals? I, I don't know. Like, I know a lot of gurus and the sales experts and everything will be say, say here's, here's my five-year plan, here's my ten-year plan, and here's what it's going to look like. I have no idea. I don't know what's going to happen. I don't even know what I'm eating for dinner tonight, let alone what's going to happen over the next five years. But all I know is that the journey I'm on right now is exciting and engaging to me, and I'm going to continue to do that. And if a new idea pops into my head, one idea that popped into my head maybe a month ago, two months ago, was to do a regional meetup on a little lower end for a lot of the guys that are involved in some of the free programs that we have to offer. And we're going to make that happen this fall. Why? Because it sounds fun. Like it sounds engaging and I think it can be somewhat profitable, but at the end of the day it'll kind of advance the cause and the mission of the Order of Man. And that's where it's going to go. And if it works, good. If it doesn't, I'll pivot at that point and we'll find something else. So I'm just going to continue to experiment. I'm going to continue to do things that I want to do, why I want to do them, when I want to do them. And that's how I look at success. So a lot of people will say, what, what does success look like? What is happiness? How do you define success? The ultimate answer to success is autonomy. It's the ability to do what you want, when you want to do it, why you want to do it, and how you want to do it. And that answer, autonomy, is the same for everybody, although their version of it might look a little bit different. So as long as I don't, I'm not pigeonholing myself into doing any one thing or being at the mercy of somebody else, I'm happy continuing on this path, and it will continue to evolve, but I have no idea what it's going to look like. Well, it sounds exciting. What, um, what is something that you expected as a father that turned out to be um, a, a misnomer? Like maybe an idea that you thought you would, uh, something you do with your kids or some way you would be a parent. I'm looking for uh, parental advice for, for my own selfish sake. <laughs> you know, I think a lot of the times we think that when there's external factors that happen to us that we think will change because of that external factor. Like, for example, uh, I have a kid, so I'm automatically going to become more caring or I'm automatically going to become more patient because this child came into my life. And the reality is that's not how it works. You are going to be the exact same person tomorrow regardless of that, that circumstance that you are today. Will it change you? Yes. Over time, it will change you. So my suggestion, whether that's bringing a child into this world or starting a new business or at some point maybe you want to launch a new business or you want to get in shape, is start being that kind of person that you want to be right now. Like Start being a good father even though you may not – when does your wife do? I have two kids. Oh, you already have. Okay, so you're you're already dealing with this, but um, start being the kind of man or woman that you want to 
be in the future, but start being that today. Start doing that, thinking that way, surrounding yourself with those type of people, and that's the best thing that you can do to prepare for whatever life has to throw at us. Yeah, uh, some a friend asked me about that, and I said I've I've felt like a father since I found out, not necessarily since my kids were born. And so, like, <laughs> yeah, absolutely, it's making that shift uh, very early. So I like I like that because I I expected to be a little more patient than I than I am. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, and and the other thing I would give the other suggestion, and this is like my number one go to parenting advice, is that your job as a parent is to render yourself obsolete. What I see in society today is what parents think their job is, is to coddle and cuddle their kids and make them feel warm and fuzzy. And what ends up happening is you have these kids who are perpetual college students or you have these grown adults who are not men and women because they're not doing what men and women do. They're just adults who are behaving like little children because their parents conditioned them to believe that there was always going to be there somebody there to solve their problems. And if there's one thing I feel like I'm getting right, and sometimes I do take this to the extreme, but if there's one thing I feel like I do right as a father, it's to let my kids figure it out on them on their own. You know, anytime one of my kids comes to me for a problem or with a problem, I never, never give them the solution. I'll talk with them, I'll help them, I'll guide them, but I'm not going to give them the answer. And I don't want to give them the answer because I don't want them to be believe or get conditioned that I'll always be there uh, physically and be able to solve the, the I, I don't want to swear, but solve all the difficulties that they get themselves into. It's their responsibility, and I have to raise strong kids. Yeah, absolutely. Same page there. Well, this this has been great, Ryan. Is there uh, you know the best place to find you online or, or something that you'd like to uh, talk about that you're currently working on? Yeah, as far as where to find me, <clears throat> the best place is our headquarters, which is orderofman.com, so you can find out what we're doing there. Uh, I think you, you'll find the blog, the podcast, the retreats, the experience, all the stuff. You'll find it all right there, so if you have any questions about what we're doing, who we are, what we're all about, that's the best place to go. That's great. Well, thanks for jumping on with us today, and uh, look forward to keeping up with the Order of Man in the future. Thanks, guys. Appreciate the opportunity to come talk with you today. Thank you, Ryan. Thank you for listening to Buttoned Up, a podcast project by Brock McGoth of The Modest Man and John Shanahan of The Cavalier, and we will see you next week.